I think on Monday I was reminded of why we stopped recording on Mondays. Why? I think we always had that. We had the Mondays problem oh, yeah. with the C- podcast. Case the Mondays. Case of the Mondays. Yeah, but I think that a lot of times we were like, well, we got to talk today. Do I have to put pants on for that? <laughs> <laughs> it's usually kind of works better after we've had a Monday to like, you know, get back into the flow. Yeah, you get know, on like, the rails, get back in the groove. We do email, we triage, we probably do some work, and then by Tuesday, it's like, <laughs> okay, like I can talk about work again. Yeah, you remember, whereas over the weekend, you might have had something else you were working on, you might have been out of town, visiting family or something, your you head's not there. Try to forget. Yeah, I'm, I'm big on easing back into things, you know? <laughs> it's funny I should say that, though, because what we're going to talk about today is probably... The fact that I was working on Game Code over the weekend. <laughs> well, this is Lost Cast 175, and I'm Matt Hackett. And I'm Jeff Blair. So what were you working on? I was working on a new iteration of my entity component code for Jin. ECS. ECS, yes. So I am on high alert for this conversation because I didn't know you were working on it. And I have uh, I am the one consumer of your previous products, the previous incarnation of your ECS engine. You're, you're the only consumer of pretty much all my products. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so this is very important to me. And also... It's relevant to your interests. Yeah. I Because um, we have basically the kind of... At least two code bases right now. There's the Soul Thief code base, which is... Uh, like the new hotness but it's also pretty old right it's at least a couple of years old it came from awl1 so it's been kind of mangled in some ways it's also very feature rich it does a lot of things that we might not necessarily want in a separate project right yeah it's kind of interesting the way that code evolves because you know like the system we have right now is not the system i would have designed from scratch probably exactly yeah but it's a system that's you know evolved uh, over time i guess you know in some ways improved be, improved yeah but like yeah. it still has like these fundamental problems as well you know it's like right i guess it's kind of like natural evolution right <laughs> yeah it is a bit it's like you know you have certain features that are great for survival but there's probably an edge case where you're gonna get screwed because yeah you know you're you're brittle and fragile in some regards and for the survival of the fittest systems like that old script system we've mentioned before in awl1 that thing's uh, going the way of the dinosaurs right it kind of is. The, the weird thing about that scripting system is that it still lives in the code base. It just Zombie. kind of like, it forwards all of its requests to like the new finite state machine system. So it's like a the finite component st- system. Yeah. <laughs> Although hopefully one day I'll be able to rip it out completely. There's just a few more scripts we have to rip out. Yeah, we mentioned that before. It's just the turret system, which like that's a good example of it's a good analogy for the game as a whole, right? Because it's supposed to do one thing. I just sit here and I shoot projectiles at targets, right? But no, it does like a dozen different things because of all these hooks and all these changes uh for the content that uses it, you know? Yeah. Adds up over the years. It does. Actually I was gonna mention that. I saw that you had renamed the slime into a, like a tile mover. Yeah. So to make it a little more generic and right. AWL. And I kinda think that maybe that's the wrong direction to go with the the finite state machine system hmm. because those scripts like the slime script is really you know here's a list of the states that i want to do in order like that's so easy copy pasta and then like add in <laughs> like you know shoot this projectile in one of these steps you know right like i, I almost hmm. feel like those states don't need to be super generic or they shouldn't be super generic did i add a new feature 
Is that I th- what I did? I think what he did is he had two things that wanted to move on a tile grid and also like shoot stuff. Yeah. Like a, uh, some kind of projectile. Right. Hmm. I'm not saying it's a bad decision. I'm, th- I'm saying it's up for debate. Yeah, for sure. That's at least worth talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I think in general, I was wanting to reuse code because that's smart and that's good. But you're right. At a certain point, you know, would you rather have the logic separate into different files or would you rather have the one file with logic that is maybe a lot more complicated because of the edge cases? Right. Yeah, no, it's hard. And I guess the reason it brought it to my mind, because we were talking about that turret script and the way that turret script got unmanageable is because it started out with like, hey, I sit there and I shoot a projectile of some configurableness. <laughs> yeah. And then it then it became like, oh, you know, I want to do this other thing, this other thing. And soon the turret script was doing like all these different behaviors. Yeah. Um, and so it kind of reminded me of like, you know, okay, we'll soon we're going to have tile mover be like this script that's used by like half the entities in the game. I think I'm sold on that, yeah, because in general, we've been moving towards separate stuff out, you know, make a separate entity, make a new thing instead of complicating what's there, just uh, like duplicate. And the finite state machine actually works really well with just like simple, simple states that are like, you know, maybe five to 10 lines of code only. Right. That's kind of where it shines anyway. Yeah. Um, The nice thing about the state system is that there are a bunch of reusable states anyway, like the slime behavior to begin with was already just you know, a list of like state one, two, three, four, like iterate through these states. Right. And that's your behavior. You know, it's like, look, move, stop, attack. You know, and I feel like that's a fine piece of code to copy paste because, you know, it's not actually doing any of the logic. It's not that code in that slime file wasn't figuring out exactly what tile to move to. You know, it said, hey, figure out what tile to move to, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's not expensive code, right? Yeah. And it's easy to parse it, and it's easy to copy-paste it, and it's easy to rewrite it. But then when you see other blocks of code that might be, okay, you know, it's only 20 lines, but it's all pretty brittle math. Like, it, it was hard to write. It was expensive code, basically, right? Yeah. That's when you don't want to be copy-pasting that kind of stuff, right? Because it oh, also absolutely. might have, like, it's prone to bugs, right? Like, the uh, what you're talking about is mostly just, like, API usage. It just calls some methods, and it just, like... Uh, put some stuff onto the stack, right? Yeah, There's exactly. not really going to be any bugs in that particular code. If there are bugs, it's going to be in the methods it's calling, right? right? But when you've got a bunch of like math logic, that's the kind of thing you want to encapsulate and put it somewhere else where the code in multiple places can uh, execute those functions. Yeah, absolutely agreed. Nice. I'm glad we're on the same page here. So, nice. so what have you been doing? You said that you... Because uh, I was already asking you questions pre-podcast. Yeah. So that's <laughs> like, kind what, of a, what? A what are you doing? What? <laughs> are you breaking what I'm working on? <laughs> yes. Well, I, that's usually a fear. I, I do break the things you're working on sometimes. Although sometimes. I know that you're working on it, and I'm not going to break it. Yay. Plus, the way that I'm looking at this thing is that I had this system that I wanted to try, which is nothing like what we have. So it's like a completely parallel thing. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, like it doesn't share any of the same code fundamentals i mean it does in the sense that it's also an entity component system right but anyways so uh it kind of all started brewing in my brain back when i was using unity of course of course because uh you know i actually think that unity has a really nice entity component system and so it ways. planted some good seeds it did and i think we've talked about on the podcast before how it's kind of fun to get into other frameworks and other systems because at the very least you just get exposed to different ideas and like Honestly, getting exposed to different ideas is really how you grow as a programmer in a lot of ways, right? For sure, yeah. Um, either you're looking how to solve a specific problem, and so you read someone else's code, and like that influences your decision, or 
you're using some other framework and you're like, gee golly whiz, this is really nice. <laughs> Watch your mouth. <laughs> you G-rated gonna, podcast. <laughs> are you going to coin sound that out? Oh yeah, big time. Make it <laughs> make it sound like you said the filthiest junk you've ever heard. Bing, 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 wow, bing, bing. Jeff. Wow. <laughs> I didn't know you had it in you. <laughs> uh, no, you're right. You you check out other stuff. I saw this uh, when I was studying the arts last year. Um, you have to input to output. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times when you see an artist, they sketch something really cool. Uh, you know, maybe it came from within, and maybe it was wholly original. But more than likely, it was kind of stolen, or maybe even they're unaware of it. You know. Like, oh, right. this was imprinted on me. I saw, this was a shot from the Goonies. I saw it when I was seven. Right. You know, and it's been in there ever since. And never once would I be like, yeah, this is from the Goonies, because I don't remember where it's from. I just remember something cool, this image. Yeah. That, you know. It's like, oh, I, I have this picture in my head of like a sunken pirate ship in a cave, and it's like derelict and skeletons on it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, where did yeah. that come from? And you feel like it's yours, but really it's like, oh, I went to Disneyland as a kid, and I didn't really remember the trip, <laughs> but I remember those pirates. I rode right? Pirates of the Caribbean once. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's weird how memory works. We are we are the sum of the things we've experienced, you know? Yeah. Anyway, so I was working with the Unity component system, and I liked it, um, but I also like HTML5. Ooh. You know, because reasons you're a very polyamorous developer <laughs> that's right you love it all <laughs> next you'll be like i wrote this c plus plus library i actually i like c sharp <laughs> a lot too i don't know if i like c plus plus c plus plus is a little too uh like i i am not the kind of person who wants to get into like memory management and stuff i was barely able to cobble together like <laughs> this example uh project that was using uh the steamworks api wrapping the steamworks api in c plus plus yeah. Because yeah. uh, there's a time where the Greenworks API, like it only worked on a certain version of Node WebKit. Right. And uh, I put together this prototype that was using this software called NAN, which is like abstracting away the different versions of Node. Right. Anyways, we talked about it before. I won't get into that because <laughs> whatever. But C++, not my cup of tea. I always felt like C++ was like bringing guns to a tennis match <laughs> instead of rackets or something. Well, it, I guess it's just too much. You know, I don't care that much about the memory i'm not going to use it like <laughs> it just just allocate some memory for me don't don't, don't make yeah, me worry about it when you're talking about games that's uh probably a good thing you know like i wouldn't yeah. say that writing a game in c plus is bringing it to a tennis match because oftentimes you need like really uh intense memory management you can for sure yeah but i think that a lot of like most of my job or most of what i spend my time on is is very like superficial kind of like top level stuff, you know, right. like particles and crap. And yeah, I wish the lower level stuff was was deeper and faster and that kind of a thing. But a lot of times I'm just pushing pixels around and like I don't want to write a hundred lines of code to do that necessarily. I agree with you, but like that code, even in JavaScript still has to get written, you know, like yeah. even though we don't have to manage memory the same way, we still do a lot of tricks to like, you know, not recreate objects when we destroy them so we don't have to, like, incur the cost of allocating new memory. You know, all That's that true. stuff still happens and we still have to think about it. You know, we just don't have to write, you know, the actual line that's like, you know, free this memory. Yeah. It just kind of happens on some kind of tick and it's like, oh, your game lagged for half a second because I was cleaning up a bunch of your garbage. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I think the truth is, is that we should all be using C++ because that is the answer to so many problems of, of you know, oh, proprietary software or like, oh, this framework doesn't do that or that kind of a stuff, you know? Yeah. But it comes just with such a big headache and, and so much tax, you know? Like, yeah. oh, you want to, you know, draw sprites faster or something, like roll up your sleeves and spend a week <laughs> refactoring your engine right. or something. I don't know, man. 
I definitely, I definitely understand the argument. And, uh, you know, you'd think the JavaScript would solve that in a lot of ways, but I also feel like, you know, on the other side of the coin, it doesn't because, you know, I, I still spend a lot of time like trying to optimize hours and hours trying to optimize JavaScript rendering. That's true. It's like you trade the ease of use and not having to worry about memory management for like other problems that, you know, you almost have to spend just as much time on. Do you wish, like, would you trade your JavaScript chops for C++ chops? Uh, probably not. Just because, you know, of the web in general. Like, I, I guess, I don't know, maybe like with Nscripten, it's it's fine. Like maybe I could be a C++ mm. wizard and compile all my stuff with Nscripten and then be yeah. amazing. I don't know. It's hard. Uh... <laughs> it's funny that JavaScript is probably the most popular programming language in the world, right? Yeah. But most of what JavaScript is running on top of was built in C++. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, one could argue about the usage itself, right? The actual writing of and maintaining of JavaScript. But, uh, you know, it all is dependent on lower level stuff. Yep. Anyway. Anyways, yeah. I, so you were working in the, the kiddie pool, the JavaScript <laughs> right. script kitty weekend. <laughs> uh, anyway, so like um, after doing that Unity stuff for a while, we went back to HTML5. You know, it was kind of annoying for me because, you know, I was going back to this entity component system I had written a long time ago, which I didn't like as much as Unity's entity component system in, sure. in a few ways. Um, I think it still has merit. You know, I, I'm not going to say that my entity component system is bad. It's kind of one way to skin the cat. And like, I've just been more interested lately in playing with the other way to skin the cat because I know all the ins and outs of the system we have. And I know where it sucks and where it's great. Right. And I don't quite know that yet for this new system. Hmm. Um, and so like, I, I kind of want to find out sort of. But it's hard because, you know, the system that you're using right now, right, uh, for your prototypes is actually a very similar system to what we have working in AWO2, but it was something I wrote, you know, to kind of be backported into Jin as like, here's the simulation code for Jin, but it's not being used in anything important. Right. And I think that is interesting to think about because it kind of speaks to like how code evolves and how you can't just write this library. And if like you're not using the library, it's not going to get good. Right. Right, you have to actually use it in something, and so that's why the entity component system that lives inside of AWL two, the project, is uh, vastly more feature rich and robust. And robust, yeah. Like, it's kind of just better in every category except for portability. It is pretty baked into the Soul Thief code, and it would it's relatively difficult to pull that out and to make it more abstract, put it back into Jin. Yeah. So that's the one downside it has, but it's farther along. It's had way more development. It's had way more usage, so it's more robust, uh, feature-rich like crazy. And, you know, because I've been using the Jin uh, ECS recently, and it's um, it's missing stuff, you know? Oh, yeah, missing all kinds of stuff. Because, like, yeah. basically, I started porting it over, and then I just never finished it. And, and one of the reasons is that because, like, you can't actually finish a piece of code like that without actually using it, you know? Yep. Like, I know enough about entity component where I can write, like, a basic idea of an entity component system. But I wouldn't be able to really flesh it out and make it a mature system until I actually had code consuming it, right? Right. And uh, if that stuff never happens, then uh, then it just goes by the wayside, I feel like. Yeah, that's a pretty important thing. And right now, Jin, like for my purposes, it's basically doing the bare minimum that I need it to do to like answer questions for the prototype, you know? Yeah. And I'll get caught up sometimes. This is a really hard thing for me. I will be working on stuff and I'm 
I'm trying to remind my brain that this is prototyping. This is not production like Soul Thief, right? And so I'll be looking at stuff and I'm like, oh man, I really want this text to be read or something, you know? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, nope, that is not what a prototype is really. You know, like maybe (laughs) very slightly that that kind of a thing. Uh, But like the niceties, anything that's not an absolute must, I put on the back burner and I'm like, that's that's later if this prototype proves itself, right? Right. Everything else is just like, I need um, the bare minimum game loop, right? I need to be able to walk through the mechanics and get the gist of it. And then if that's tight and if that's good, then we'll flesh the rest out, right? Right. Um. Anyway, so this is a very long-winded story, kind of okay. meanderingly getting to... I'll sit back. To the point. I'll relax. Our listeners will uh, we'll get those dishes ready. <laughs> get start, this. start jogging. Get on that train. Uh-huh. <laughs> So after doing this stuff with Unity and like liking their anti-component system, you know, I went back to HTML5. You know, I was a little unsatisfied. So I started writing this library called Ahi, which yes. is I talked about a little bit before, and it's kind of a, just like an experimental HTML5 game engine that I was writing. But kind of the underlying idea behind it was that the anti-component system and and the whole rendering system is kind of very similar to how Unity would do it, just kind of like in HTML5. Ahi is available on GitHub. Yes. So Ahi was kind of an experiment of mine to see, you know, what, how I could take some of those ideas from Unity's entity component system and bring it into like an HTML5 game engine. But it wasn't just that. The other thing about Ahi and the reason that it made it so difficult to develop is because I also wanted to, uh, you know, change over to this idea that like, you know, the renderer is just a component on an entity, right? Because uh, just to back up a little bit, if you've heard us talk about Jin before, the way that Jin works is a Jin is more of like a dumb scene graph, right? <laughs> like your first, your first adjective is dumb. Well, not Jin d- is, Jin is, Jin is dumb. <laughs> not dumb in a bad way, but like dumb no, in like a, you know, it's a it's a very like simple tool. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily want to do a lot with the data; it just draws it. it it's not really like that part of Jin is not really a game engine; it's a scene graph, which. Right. We talked a little bit about the differences between those two things, but essentially a scene graph is more like, you know, you can picture it like a bunch of divs, right? Jin yep. has this analog to a div called a view and the view can have children and like it has position and like it has layering, like a lot of the concepts that you would take from CSS and apply to a div kind of exist, right? Even the animations like tweening and stuff. Yeah, exactly. But, um, you know, that whole <laughs> system doesn't have any idea of like, game entities or physics or whatever i mean there's views which you could think of as entities but those views have been specifically you know architected to be like display containers right so anyways if you're familiar with pixie.js the basic idea behind pixie.js and the basic idea behind Jin are very similar uh whereas phaser or impact would be more of an actual game engine so i wanted to transition more into that direction as well and like right away you can tell that that is too much, right? What do you mean? Well, because, so so this is the reason that Ahi is kind of like stuck in the mud in, in some ways is because not only did I want to solve like, hey, I want to like have this differently architected entity component system. I also wanted to change the paradigm of, you know, it's entity component first and foremost and the rendering logic are really just components on the game entities. Right. And so in that world, like, you know, a title, like a, a purely display title would be a game entity. And it would have a text renderer component attached to it. Right. And then it would be like transformed. And and the reason I really like that stuff is, is twofold. One is that um, 
as we talked about before, it homogenizes the rendering in a lot of ways, right? Like when you're positioning a view in Gin, you access like the view level API and you say your XY is this. And then separately, we have this game entity collection, which have their own positions. And those positions are then every frame copied over to the view that represents them. So you kind of have this like abstraction, right? Like our model is a little bit more MVC, right? Where you have the game simulation, which consists of entities and components, but no rendering code. And then you have the view layer, which then uh, creates like a separate object that is a mirror of every single game entity. And then that's what, you know, actually you get shown on the screen. Yeah. And that can be kind of taxing to work with sometimes because you end up with this like uh, <clears throat> spider web of references back and forth listening to events because the code doesn't have direct access, right? Like a lot of times if views, like you were saying, are kind of dumb. Yeah. Like I'm just going to draw a sprite here and every tick I get moved to where my entity's position is. But other than that, I, I don't recognize anything else in the world happening, you know? Right. Yeah. So it's like, there's a lot of glue code going on there. And yeah. honestly, it's like not that performant because you have the game engine iterating over the scene graph or sorry, you know, like the display engine, I guess I would call it iterating over the, the scene graph. And then, you know, separately the simulation is running over the entities. Right. So it's a little inefficient. I mean, it works for our purposes and like blah, blah, blah. But you know, it's one of those things that I've never loved about our situation we could in theory just about double the speed if we removed that right yeah theoretically right i mean we're still gonna be drawing you know i I wouldn't say it's double because yeah you know honestly the biggest bottleneck is rendering the pixels and just doubling like the computation perhaps yeah right speed maybe because like you know what we saw is uh, especially the nested loops uh that can be pretty expensive for javascript it is iterate through yeah and that's kind of what that's all about right like the the going through those big arrays whether it's entities or the scene graph uh, that's pretty expensive but yeah you're right it's it's all a drop in the bucket compared to the the actual rendering of pixels but it is more efficient in general and right i think the bigger issue for me is that it's simpler and more homogenous right like yeah instead of having like these two separate pipelines even if it's not terribly slower it's somewhat slower and you're iterating over like one tree hierarchical structure and then one flat array of entities. Yeah. And, uh, you know, honestly seeing those problems with the hierarchical, you know, basically the way that the view rendering works right now is that views have an array of children. And so, you know, as you go into a view, it then iterates over the array of its own children. And then, then all those children iterate over the arrays of their children and stuff. So it's not a flat structure, uh, which we've seen to be less performant than like just iterating over a flat array. Um, anyway, so, you know, those are kind of some of the problems I was trying to tackle with, with Ahi. And I actually made some decent progress at like render stuff on the screen. There's physics and, and whatnot. Um, but I guess like the big, the big thing with the entity component system that I wanted to do was to like kind of move away actually from the bag of data approach that I have like talked about a lot before. What? <laughs> you mean where the entities are just objects? Yes. They're going back to proper kind of classes? Not only that, but like the components themselves are instances of a class. So right wow. now, the way that a component works on like an AWL or in the version of the Gin simulation tools that you're using uh, is that like an entity is an object and then it has like a sub key, you know, a property that would be like, you know, position and a position would have two sub properties that are X and Y. And that would just be like a, an object literal. But um, 
the problem is is that it kind of requires you know that the code to manipulate that data has to live somewhere right and so we end up having like these shared libraries that you have to include all over the place that then allow you to manipulate those components in certain ways and that's not a terrible thing right in some senses i kind of like that abstraction because it's a little bit more functional i guess mm-hmm. like basically you're just passing these these data to this function the function modifies it um but it kind of has some downsides. Like one of the downsides is that you can't like segment the events, right? Like the events all come from the entity. Like you can't throw an event from a component, which is one thing that I really enjoyed in uh, Unity, right? In Unity, a component is an instance of an object and then it has its own, it, it is its own event emitter essentially. And so it can throw its own events. So you could say like, you know, entity dot position dot on move function whatever mm, okay as opposed to like having this kind of like top level namespace of events on the entity um which you know kind of all get fired together and you know there's not a lot of collisions there but i think it's just one of the ways in which i f- have been thinking that it's nicer to kind of like push off some of the responsibility into the components Right. The other nice thing about it is that you can attach methods to the components. They can have internal state. They can have public state. They can have getters and setters um, that like do calculations when you change a property. You know, there's just, there's a lot more flexibility uh, with regards to, you know, how those components work when they are objects and not interesting like you know full fledged objects that aren't just like they have a prototype and stuff. You know, you used to be very functional with your thinking. I was do. it Unity that kind of pushed you away from that? I think a little bit. Um, and, and like, I don't want to say that I think that, you know, the functional approach is the wrong approach now. It's certainly not the case. I think they both have merit, and I like both of those systems. It just happens to be that, like, right now, I kind of feel like I'm interested in the other system. It's almost like that's where you want to learn right now. You've been doing the functional stuff, and it, it works really well. You know, it is, you know, as long as the data is there, like, when you're using the bags of data, um, that's a smart way to go because it is dumb and the data is there and you can do whatever you want with it. And if you want to attach methods to it, you can do that via, you know, you just have like a functional list of methods you can call, right? right. And with JavaScript being as flexible as it, as it is, you can always change the context and you can make it feel very object-oriented even if it's not, right? Right, absolutely. But um, when I was using the systems recently that are dumber, the bags of data, uh, I, I did notice I was doing this like more than once. I would be like entity.fire an event. And it would be like, there is no fire. Right. Throw an error. I'm like, oh, right. So I got to do like sim.fire and then pass in the entity. And then basically at the end, the sim itself was the source of all events, the source right. of truth. So it is uh, a little harder to write, I think. I did, I did kind of miss the methods, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. I guess, you know, it's just kind of like a sugar type thing. It is just, ways. yeah, that's all it is. Um, but yeah. But it's kind of nice. I really like the idea of, you know, you know not only that, like, the way that you can communicate with a component, you know, cross-component communication, I think, is also a little easier. Um, sort of. Because, like, you know, the way that it works right now is that, like, if I wanted to, like, call a method on a component, you know, in the class-based object world, like, I could just do that. You know, you just say, like, this dot collision dot something, some method. Right. Uh, whereas, yeah, in, in the current scenario, we have like you have to pull in this shared library and say like you know position something, pass in entity one, pass in entity two, 
Yeah. And yeah, it works, but uh, I think the other system is a little more elegant at the moment. But, you know, again, not that either of them are bad or good. They're just different ways to do things. And, right. you know, sometimes I like to, uh, I don't know, maybe it's just the newness, right? Like sometimes I like to explore a different possibility space for a while. Yeah, you want to work on it because you haven't worked on it before or for whatever reason yeah. it's particularly itchy to you. I mean, that's a big reason that I'm prototyping right now is just because like <clears throat> we've been working on Soul Thief so hard and so long. I'm like my brain is desperate to play in, you know, other waters, you know. Right. Yeah, you're like you're bored. Maybe. Yeah, a certain part of my brain for sure cuz you know, the really fun stuff to work on with Soul Thief. I mean, the content is a lot of fun, but it, it's also a lot of work, you know. And the super fun stuff, like the stuff that yeah. I just I can't get away from until it's relatively baked. That's probably like the mechanics, you know, the uh, the tail whip and and the mana and the rotating wands and the inventory and the items and all that stuff. Um, we spent a long time solving those problems. That was when I was really hot on the project, you know. And now that uh, that stuff's all kind of baked, it's like, look, now the game just it's got a bunch of bugs. It needs a ton more features. It needs a lot more content. It needs a lot more monsters and items. Anyway, you work on something long enough and, uh, you know, you're kind of uh, wanting to work on something fresh and new to, you know, light your fire again, right? Yeah. So after I had written all that stuff in Ahi, you know, and like, it was hard because like, I, I couldn't really make anything of substance with it because I got to the point where like, I got the NC component system working the way I want. I got the renderer components working the way I want. And that was all like really fun work. I won't say it's easy, but like I breezed through it because I was enjoying it. Yeah, And then I got to the point of the game engine where I was like, oh, now I need to do stuff that I've already done a million times, like keyboard input, mouse input, like scenes, you know, like here's the scene and transition to that scene and like blah, blah, blah. And that was the stuff that I wasn't excited about at the time. And then that was the, the kind of stuff that made me think like, well, you know, why am I writing this thing from scratch? You know, when Jin, our current game engine, actually has a whole bunch of, of this stuff already baked in, like it just works. That's right. Uh, so then I was like, well, you know, maybe what I should do is I should just tackle the entity component bit, right? Basically, because the because of the the fact that our game engine is kind of divorced in terms of rendering and simulation, it actually makes it easy to, or, you know, theoretically easy <laughs> to uh, create a different sim backend for for the game, and then have the the Gen view layer just render it the way it would render, you know, the way that it renders the sim now, right? Which is basically that it listens to events on the simulation object and like when entities get created it creates uh, a display object for them and then when they get removed it removes that display object somehow and like that's you know and then every every frame it syncs the positions and that's basically it right that's the the core idea of how the view layer works nice it just says you know i've got a sprite here and it's linked to this entity so when this entity moves the sprite moves and when it goes away i go away and that's it easy peasy easy peasy so yeah you could apply that uh, that idea to really any sort of ECS right in the background. So yeah. that's kind of what I've, I've been trying to do now is like, I'm trying to look at it more like, okay, I'm going to create a very specific ECS system that I want to create, but I'm going to put it, you know, in Jin and then render it using all the rest of the stuff that already works, you know, all the text rendering, all the sprite rendering, all that stuff. Smart. That's smart. <laughs> Excuse me. Basically, isolating what you're working on. Um, I think that's one, like only doing one thing at a time, even when it seems like you could be doing multiple things very easily. I think that is one of the strongest traits of like a developer, you know? Yeah. I've been uh, prototyping really rapidly recently. And 
I like sometimes I just do it. I will be doing one thing and it's massive and it's touching like 10 files or something. And then I'm, oh yeah, this thing too. I should change this dialogue here or I, sh I should add a menu or, or something, you know? And once in a while I'll do it. But um, I've also fallen into the trap a couple of times where something breaks. I don't know what exactly it is. And I don't know the one thing that I know that it is, you know, <laughs> because I was working on two things in this commit. Right. Right. So I, I think that basically isolating the problems you have to work on is, is absolutely mandatory for any project of a certain size. I agree, yeah. And it's, like you said, it's easy to forget, you know? Like, when I was making yeah. that Ahi project, it was like, I was trying to bite off too much, you know? like Exactly. I don't, honestly, I don't have the bandwidth to create a game engine from scratch right now, right? Like, <laughs> nope. And, th and there's so many things that go into a game engine that I'm not interested in writing at the moment, right? Like, I'm yeah. not interested in messing around with the input code. I'm not interested in messing around with audio code. Right. And so, but I can't make anything of substance without some of those pieces. You, like the motivation needs to come naturally, right? You will be super motivated to work on the audio and the input when those are the only remaining pieces in that puzzle. Right. Yeah. Like, right. So like someday, you know, when I've rewritten the simulation code and I've rewritten <laughs> the rendering code and I've rewritten yeah. all those other things piecemeal, you know, then maybe it'll be like, okay, now I'm interested in, in trying out some audio stuff or whatever. Yeah, I've seen that time and time again where I, I these tickets I just push off and I push off and then everything else creates this perfect storm where I'm like, now I really want to work on it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's so much better than trying to fight this uphill battle of just like, I don't want to... Because like, a lot of times your brain is telling you something like it's not ready to be worked on yet. Right, yeah. Even though you want it to be done, it, it's, it's in your future. <laughs> I have got to work on it. This trait, I don't know, I guess... I don't, like, I don't know if it's a trait really, but like the thing that happens to me a lot, which is that when my brain doesn't want to program, I start getting really sleepy. <laughs> <laughs> That's when I know it's like time to put the laptop away or something. Like if I'm trying to mm. force myself to program and it's not happening, like I'll just start to get drowsy. Mm. And then like I can immediately get up and go play a game or something and I'll be completely awake. <laughs> but I feel like my brain's trying to tell me like, hey, I don't want to think about math anymore. So either yeah. don't or I'm going to go to sleep on you. Yeah, there's definitely uh, levels of engagement your brain will tolerate, you know? Yeah. Like asking, okay, what kind of moves do you want to do in this action game? You're like, I want to jump and shoot. Like that's a <laughs> lot easier than, you know, like, okay, try for a moment to take this entire game program, crunch it all into your mind so you've got it there and you know what you're working on, and then start to work on these really hard math problems. But there's like five different things you're going to trip over and things you need to consider right. before you can actually write this code. Your brain is like, stop it. Stop, don't. Go watch a movie. <laughs> watch something unchallenging. Right. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, good times. So yeah. It's your brain rejecting what you want to work on. Pretty much, yeah. You're, it's like the brain veto. It's like, That's right. No. <laughs> brain veto. <laughs> Vetoed. Yeah. I like it. <clears throat> so anyways, you know, 36 minutes into the podcast now, <laughs> I'm going to get to the point where... <laughs> You're actually talking about what you've actually been working on. Yeah. So I imagine uh, that. Over the weekend, I started working on an entity component system that's very similar to what exists in AHI. So I kind of feel like this is not the first write of this system. Mm, it means it might be good then. Yes, it might. It might be, you know, passable. Uh, I'll take it. But the basic idea is that entities, you know, there's an entity object that has like add component, remove component methods. And then the components themselves are also instances of objects that can have methods and properties and stuff like that. And I guess like that's really the meat and potatoes of how that system works. And And otherwise it works very similarly to any other ECS, right? Like it still has the basic idea that 
you have like uh, a world or something, right? That contains all of your entities. And then each of those entities has, you know, some number of components attached to them, whatever they happen to be, right? Like that it works in your system. Yep. Um, I think that one thing, uh, another reason I like this system, and I, I think a big thing that I'm looking forward to is that I'm looking forward to getting rid of what we call the systems, right? Because because that uh, we had these bags of data, like all the logic kind of has to happen in like these high-level systems, right? And so we ended up having these weird catch-all systems that did multiple things because like, you know, for instance, the systems work great when you're talking about physics and collision, right? Yeah. Like those are perfect systems because they almost always touch every single entity and there's a lot of interaction between entities, right? Like when you're talking about collision, you know, you kind of have to look at it from a higher level first, right? Because you want to figure out which entities are close to each other in a broad phase collision and which ones are touching and blah, blah, blah. Um, so that stuff works great. But then like as an example for AWL1, AWL2, like you get, there's a system called warps, right? And the warp system is really only there to manage the entities that are doors on the map, of which there are uh, almost always no more than four. Right. In, you know, a room that could have dozens of entities. So what ends up happening is that when certain events get fired, you know, all of those entities basically trigger a function to to uh execute on the warp system, but then the warp system selectively negates ones that aren't like warps or whatever. Right. And one solution to that problem is like creating a list you know, whenever you add an entity to the system, like you create a list of like, you know, here are buckets, right? This entity is in this bucket and this system only knows to look at entities in this bucket. Yeah. Uh, which is totally doable. I think that's one way to handle that. But I don't know, for some reason, I just not super keen on that either. You hate buckets. <laughs> I hate buckets, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Must be a bag, a bag or nothing. I'm sorry, a bag or nothing. Or Jeff. Uh, but I, I think that kind of like masks the problem. You know, it's like writing more complicated code hmm. to get around the fact that like you're trying to shoehorn all the logic into these high-level systems that operate on entities. It's a band-aid. Kind of, yeah. And like I'm really trying hard these days to like be able to recognize when the solution to a problem is just more band-aid complexity and not like actually solving the issue, right? That's a tough one because band-aids are inevitable. They but are, yeah. You want them to be as small and few in numbers as possible, right? Exactly, yeah. Like, I didn't want to have to, like, create this complicated system where, you know, like, you have these buckets of entities that are uh, bucketed by their components. And, you know, in, in some cases, like, some systems might need, like, oh, I, I need to only operate on entities that have physics and collision or this and that or yeah. these two but not that one yeah the the current systems code in gin has um every single system at the top has this bit of logic which is unfortunate but it'll be like okay first of all does this entity have the system and then a lot of systems too something like physics you know it depends on collision and groups and physics and sometimes even metadata to know where those like the values are hidden and that kind of thing mm-hmm. so there'd be this big chunk of logic at the top of any systems uh, method and a lot of times it's really just checks for components. Right, yeah. But it's, you know, it's not the prettiest thing, it's not the funnest to write, and you see it everywhere. So it's like not ideal. It works, right? 
yeah, it works. But, you know, again, like the whole point of this conversation is like maybe there are better ways, right? And, like, exactly. And let's yeah, let's yeah. talk about them. Right. Um, I, I will say, though, that like, you know, if something like one of the reasons that it, it doesn't it hasn't changed in ADBL2 is just because it does work and we can make progress using that system. And so it's fine. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but this is just kind of like a, an exercise for fun, quote unquote. Yeah. Sometimes I get, I get this. I allow myself to do whatever I want on the weekend. Whoa. Oh, what? Huh? Yeah. And sometimes I feel guilty because I'll be like, wow, you know, I was, I spent, you know, 16 hours on this prototype and I feel like it's coming along pretty well. In the back of my mind is like, bat, <laughs> you could have fixed like 10, Soul thief bugs. I'm like, shut up. That's right. Let me have, let me enjoy my life. <laughs> it's hard. It's a hard balance. Well, I think it's like anything else, you know, like indie game development is like one of those things that, you know, some people do just work like night and day on their dream game for like five years. And then it comes out as like this pristine <laughs> product that, you know, but they probably took breaks in between, obviously. Right. Like, yeah, it's, Burnout's it's inevitable. It's easy. It's one of those industries. that's really easy to overwork in. Yeah, um, because it's we enjoyable. are all weak right. sacks of meat. Wow, we need we need to relax. It's true. <laughs> you can only push yourself so hard. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, my idea with these systems now is that, you know, one is that physics and collision are so fundamental to the way that the game engine works that they need to be like part of the simulation. Like they aren't just, hey, mm. here's a system that gives you collision and gives you physics. And that's one way to do it, right? But there's almost no scenario in our in our game right now where, you know, you want those things to be optional, right? Uh, True. So, some entities don't get affected by physics, and that's okay, right? That that's still possible. I'm not saying we have to have everything affected by physics, but physics and collision, especially collision, especially, is so fundamental for the way that information propagates around the sim that it's better, I think, to treat it as just like a built-in function of a simulation. Hmm. Um, and part of that is because it relies on some really complicated stuff like the quad tree uh, to do like the broad face collision checking. And really, like all you're really talking about with collision really is that it's, it, it's mostly there to raise events to other parts of the system anyway. Yeah. Right? So like it's... It, I find it really elegant that the core simulation does all the collision checking. And then all it does is just, it doesn't try to resolve the collisions. It doesn't do anything like that. It just says, Hey, you collided with something. Yeah. If you want to take care of that, that'd be great. Right. <laughs> um, and I think that I like that though, cause it pushes the responsibility off into the components because you know, without systems, the way that it works is like, you know, the game engine is in a loop and it says, okay, first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to, update all the entities in the world, right? With physics or whatever. And then I'm going to check to see which ones are colliding with each other. And then I'm going to throw a bunch of events that say which ones are colliding. And then in the way that it works in my current setup is that the entity gets an event that says, hey, uh, you collided with something, trigger all of your components to see if they want to do anything about it. Hmm. And that works a lot better because then the way that it, the, the, the possibility that it opens up is that you can put a component a random component on anything and it will be able to have like these script hooks. Like I want to do something when collision occurs. I want to do something when the object gets removed. I want to do something when the object spawns. Right. Right. And that's kind of like uh, a more simplified, better version of the scripting system we have now. And the way that scripting system works now is it the scripting system is a 
a system and whenever an event occurs it says hey like it gets the entity on which the event occurred for and then it also like looks to see if there's a script attached you know a script and then it uh it calls a function on that so it's like it's a similar concept but it's like not as flexible as being able to have any component respond to any event that the system kind of fires into the entities yeah and when you have a consumer of a certain um level of complexity you will eventually probably want all those events right so i guess like the the reason i like this kind of a setup is because it simplifies things in in a way that makes a lot of sense to me one is that it pulls the really core physics and collision code back like deeper into the sim Hmm. and then it pushes everything else onto the components Nice. Which I think is is really nice because, again, when I'm looking at the systems that exist in AWON right now, like physics and collision get used a whole bunch. But then every other single system we have feels like it could just be a script on an object, right? It's like, okay, you know, you're a door. Like, you don't, we don't need everything to know if it's a door or not. And like, you know, we don't need everything. Like, we have another system called Lifecycle, which like, it started out handling the TTL expiration. Like, there's a TTL um property or component on entities and like the whole purpose of this lifecycle system was to like manage that specific state and like that's a lot of code just for managing one little thing yeah and uh even though a lot of entities do have ttls on them but like that feels like it could just be a script that says you know after 10 seconds call remove myself like it doesn't need to be this high level system right Right. That's time to live for uh, audience members who are not familiar. We yes. use that all the time because any projectile in the game will have something like, you know, one second or less time to live. And after that, it expires. Yep. And then there's, you know, it throws an expiration event and various entities respond in different ways and that kind of thing. Yep. I know what you're saying, though. Uh, certain parts of the code where they don't get used as much. Like, why is every single entity looking at it and spending time computing it, you know? And it promotes bad habits because one thing I've noticed is that Lifecycle, that system that originally handled this one specific thing, like, it, it grew to encompass a lot more things. Of course. And it's bad to do that because it muddies up that system and it makes it, like, hard to reason about. But not only that, it's the better way to handle it because it's more performant, right? Because right. you have one system and that system is already getting an event for each entity that exists in the world. And so if I were to make a, v- a bunch of small systems that only handle these little weird edge cases, that would be like, you know, greatly uh, multiplying the number of systems that every entity has to be piped through every time an event happens. Right. And so it's really inefficient. Um, yeah. Whereas in this newer model, you know, every entity just gets all the events that happen and and if they have a component that wants to respond to it great if not then they don't yeah so i have i have so many questions for you yay questions where are you doing this code is it in a branch uh it doesn't live in source code at the moment interesting i mean it does it will i'll I'll Are you just like when you quote work on this? Do you just lay in bed and stare at the ceiling and go, "Yeah, writing JavaScript"? No, no, no. I mean, like, uh, I haven't checked it in. I guess is what okay. I was gonna say. <laughs> so you are actually writing code. I am. I'm actually gen, writing code. Yes, and it's in the gen repository. <laughs> but you haven't just like you you haven't decided if you're gonna make a branch out of it or whatever. Well, there's kind of two ways to go about. It. Yeah, one is I can make a branch. Uh, the second thing is that I could just make it like a parallel feature. Sure. So the way that I'm doing it right now is there's a sim directory and now is a sim two directory. Ah, uh, yes, the, the Sim 2. Anyone who's been programming <laughs> for anywhere from two weeks to 20 years has <laughs> has done that, where they're like, uh, I don't know, event 2. Right. 
future me will be like, oh, what is that? Son of a... Why is there a two? You... <laughs> what is the two has no meaning? Why? So, uh, yeah, yeah it, it's sort of living there for now. You know, once it gets a little farther along, I'll probably, I'll, I'll probably end up putting it in a branch. But, okay. I mean, I don't know. If it's parallel, then uh, it might be okay, too. So, the, the prototype I'm working on right now, being the only real consumer of the gin version of the Sim stuff, that's pretty good because it means that we could eventually just kind of flip the switch and be like, okay, all that other gin stuff, we're going to cut it and we're going to replace it with the new hotness you've been working on, right? And then all we'd have to do is update my prototype. Right. So that's a possibility. So that's pretty good. Uh, what I'm wondering, though, is like, um, and this has potential for me, too, because, you know, uh, I'm not usually the systems guy. I've been messing with Collision a lot recently, but it's mostly been just like massaging your code and like bringing versions of your code in. I'm certainly not writing it myself. And that is some complicated stuff sometimes. I, I have gotten like waist deep in Collision code. I'm like, okay, okay, it's all working. It's all good. It does what I want now. Ugh. And, and then I'll trip over something else. Yep. You know what I mean? Like last time it was the response type. Everything else was working. I got the um, entity pairs working, which we were talking about probably off, uh, off, off mic. Off cast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we might, we might talk a little bit about that. It's basically like the, the collide and, um, or sorry, the enter and leave events. Yes. Um, so we'll talk more about that. But that stuff I finally got working. But then what I noticed is that the response it was sending to either other systems or the view or something, it was the AABB type response. Okay. Right? Which, and then... What the code was wanting, though, was the um, MSV. Right. Minimum separation... Vector. Variable. <laughs> that thing. And because that was different, uh, pretty fundamentally, I, I got really far along with it, and then I had to back out, because it really just needs to be kind of rewritten, <laughs> refactored from the ground up. Yeah, I think a lot of it stems from the fact that, like, in AWL, which is the code base you're looking at for these things, there are a couple ways of doing it. One is that that whole response thing existed and it still exists when you're talking about walls and tiles. Yeah. But the newer collision code, because when I did that big physics revamp, you know, uh, I kind of changed the way that the collision response works. Right. And so like, if you're trying to piecemeal from two different sources like that, they might, might have a problem. Yeah. But I, so what's the new hotness collision wise? Well, the new hotness collision-wise would really just be, uh, it's the same idea, really. It's just, you know, you call a function or you raise an event when things collide and you pass along some collision information. And it could just be the minimum separation vector. It could be more information, depending on what the system needs. But right. uh, I found that the minimum separation vector is something that uh, is like all you need for a basic, to get most of the basic functionality you want. Yeah. Um, because nice. using the minimum separation vector, you can calculate like how far apart things need to move so they're not colliding for the physics response. Yeah, hmm. uh, and things like that. Interesting. So uh, honestly, it, it's very similar because really all all that was different was that the response object had the minimum separation vector attached to it. Right. So the right. response actually had a value called normal, like like response.normal. Yes, that's what it was. And response.normal yeah. is the minimum separation vector. Right. But I realized that I didn't need a lot of that stuff. So in the newer version of that code, I only passed the minimum separation vector. Okay. Um, and so like the idea is not really any different. It's just, you know, the format in which the data is being passed to the event. Right. 
Yeah. There's also this to-do in the giant collision block. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> and the to-do is like, do it the way Soul Thief does it, basically. And I mean, I, I felt like I was on the right track because I was looking at the Soul Thief code. Right. But it's there's a lot of moving parts. I, it wasn't even as simple as, okay, just these two files need to be updated. It, it was uh, a lot more complicated than that because there's also like the collision and the physics are separate and the physics is dependent on the data it gets from the collision. Right. And so they kind of need, uh, they don't kind of, they must be updated in tandem right. if that's going to work. And so it was really just a lot uh, for me to do in like one sitting by myself without having written any of this code. <laughs> yeah. Well, so at some point I was like, I should really loop Jeff in here and get him to fix my crap. I think that's kind of <laughs> one of the reasons that I had an itch to work on this stuff is because I know that you had been working on this other code and like, I know that it's code that I'm unhappy with and I don't like the direction of it. And I, and so part of the problem is, is that, it doesn't have all the same warts that ADBL2 has, that right. simulation code, but it has enough of the fundamental problems that I've just been talking about with like, you know, when I'm talking about the systems and like how discrete to make systems and then like, you know, being able to have any component respond to any event. Like the system that I'm envisioning is just much more simple. And so the reason, you know, I, I think that you've probably had some fun working on the collision. Mm. Like, okay. That's a mild fun. Well, there. I think it answers my question right there. I, I think that you and I would be much more happy with a system where, like, you could essentially just write components, right? Yeah. And the components in the system that I'm working on, they look a lot like the finite state machine scripts, where it's really right. just like, here's an object, and the object has these hooks that say like, spawn, collide, leave, enter. You know, it's like yes, just the the hooks that you want to start writing your game logic in. Yeah. And like that's what I want to get towards. I want to get towards like that kind of a system where when you're working on these prototypes, all you have to do is care about like these hook, the hook level, the hook layer, I guess, instead of like having to worry about like these systems that are, you know, piping the MSV around in various different <laughs> ways. Like beautiful. That's what I want. I I really honestly I wouldn't touch the systems code if you didn't if, have to. If I didn't need to yeah. to make what I want, right? But there is a part like, you know, I, I am an engineer by trade. That is easily my most marketable skill. I know how to do it very well. And when I see a problem like this, that seems kind of easy. And I'm sure I could get it to work eventually. But the thing is, is like, you know, is <laughs> I could do this in 16 hours or Jeff could do this in like one or two, that kind of a thing. And I'm like, maybe I'll let uh, Jeff handle it. And like, so for me, like, I really don't want to work with you on that old code base. <laughs> and I know that, like, because you're working on it, you're going to, like, eventually come to me and be like, you know, hey, this, yeah. is, this is broken. Like, let's fix it. Or, like, you know, how would we, e even if you want to tackle it yourself, you know, like, you'd still want my input on, like, okay. And then, you know, not that that's a bad thing, but, like, then I have to, like, think about this mess of a code base <laughs> that I don't want to think about. You know, I'm like, when you yeah. ask me for help with one of these problems, I'm like, uh, God, this would be so much easier if just, like, you know, blah, right? <laughs> if, yeah. if the system wasn't so crappy. It's like when someone's uh, over visiting, they're like, can I use your bathroom? And you're like, oh, I haven't cleaned that thing. Um, you can if you want. Like, it's usable. <laughs> right. But it's pretty gross in there. So It's like, uh, <laughs> can you hold it for like 10, 15 minutes while I go clean up? Like, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like that. It sounds like. Yeah. You're like, wait, oh, you're using that stuff. Okay. Well, let me refactor all of it. Yeah. And then, and then break everything you're working on and then we'll fix it. I'm not going to break that? anything you're working on because like, you know, <laughs> I don't want to impede your progress in any way. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, uh, it's funny though, because like the the progress is impeded a little bit in that the certain things I want to do are not possible, and that's that's why I'm working on them, right? Like this when I when it comes to the system stuff, like I want it to do X Y Z in my prototype, and the system doesn't support it. 
Um, and that's the best, so let's go into that. That's the next big thing is the um, the enter and leave events. Yeah. And it doesn't do that, and I need it. And so I was in there messing around with it. Um, I forgot I was going with that. But let's get back to the enter and leave events. Because, like, here's a good case for that is uh, dialogue. So you walk up to a character and talk to him, right? Right. And, like, right now, just it's weird because it, it doesn't have... Th- the interstay things that soul thief has and the way the interstay things work is like um so like let's say you walk onto a pressure plate right you step onto it the pressure plate goes okay i'm down and i know that you are stepping on me and we're all good here whereas if it doesn't have the um the enter and leave events then it'll just sit there every tick and be like okay i'm being stepped on stepped on stepped on stepped on and these the events get fired every tick and it's like you play the sound you show the animation or whatever and it's it's not right you know, so instead right. you want to be like, okay, this entity stepped on me. I know that my state is currently stepped on. And then later, you know, you, Raga, the player, you leave the pressure plate. The pressure plate gets that event, the collide leave event. And it's like, okay, now I'll play a different sound and I'll go up and change my graphic and we're all dandy, right? And that's, it's even, even more complicated in reality because that, what that object does is it actually keeps track of all the entities that are colliding with it right. so that like, if you push a barrel on top of a button and you're standing on top of the button and then you leave, when it gets the leave event, it doesn't say like, well, something left me, so I must yeah. be popping right. up again. It still knows like, okay, I've still got this barrel on me and so I'm not going to pop up yet until everything has been moved off of myself. So it was the entity pairs we were talking about earlier. That's what that is. So it'll be like, here's a pair. is a player and a pressure plate. Player stepping on the pressure right. plate. And then so when that pair breaks... The pressure plate will know that, but it'll be like, I still have this pair. I'm, I still have, I'm paired with, you know, the statue or this push block that's, you know, standing on top of me and keeping my state down, right? Right, yeah. And so, yeah, that's the thing that uh, didn't exist in the code. And I was looking into getting the new Soul Thief uh, collision in there, you know, just, oh, just real quick. I got an hour, you know, that kind of thing. And I got far <laughs> enough along and I got the pairs working. Um, oh, the nice. problem was uh kind of two factor one the, the collision response it was sending as we talked about earlier wasn't right the other part was the way the pairs work is they're kind of opinionated on the ordering that they should be when they are given a a hash lookup so what that means yeah. is let's say you have entity id of three and you have entity id of uh one and they are the pairs that are connecting right so to look right. that up reliably, you need to have a predictable order. And so what it'll do is it orders them uh, ascending, right? So it'll be one and right. then three, right? But the systems code in that current version of Jin is also, it's very dependent on the systems knowing the ordering because it'll say, um, like, for example, let's say you want something like a warp. So I want entity A to collide with entity B. I need to make sure A is the warp and B is the player, for example. And right. if those get switched up, which the order might because of the ordering of the pairs, then it, the code will never work. That's And so the reason it works in Soul Thief is because it's not handled at that level right. anymore, right? This is why I pushed everything off to the component because it works a lot better when instead of calling into a system, like, so, so the way that you're talking about it works right now is that when you have a collision, it says, hey, systems, there was a collision between A and B, and here's a function call, and the first entity is A, and the second entity is B. And then you have this weird logic where you're like, okay, if A is a warp and B is a player, then something, something. But then you also have to check if B is the warp and A is the player. And you don't want to do that. That's terrible. Like, I hate that scenario. And so one of the things I'm trying to do is prevent that. And so the way that it works now with the logic being on the components is a lot easier because all you have to do now is instead of calling a system hook that says, 
hey, things collided, here's A and B. What you really do is you say entity A, you know, trigger components collide with entity B. Entity B, trigger components collide with entity yeah, A. Yeah, I like that. And so what happens is, is that on the component for entity A, you get a collide event and the only parameter is B. And so if entity A is the warp and B is the player, then in the component, the warp component or whatever it happens to be for, uh, for entity A or whatever, then it would be able to say like, hey, I already know I'm a warp. So if B is a player, then like, let's do right, this. Right, exactly, yeah. And that's so much more simple. And so like, that's the model that I'm, I'm really trying to move towards. Nice. So final question for you of this podcast. Uh, okay. I guess it's a two part, but <laughs> well, basically <laughs> where's that and when can I use it? <laughs> chop chop uh places and never okay uh, that answers my no, question no. Uh, honestly like it's hard because uh it needs some work i think like you know with a, a few more days of work it get to like a usable spot nice. i think it wouldn't be hard to get it to the point at which that code is now yeah that's the thing is the the system's code um it's mostly the glue i feel like I think that thing, like, the, the, just I want the linkages to change, yeah. right? And like, once that's done, it's actually much, much easier to separate all of like the game specific logic into right, components, yeah. right? Because I, I think that's like really the fundamental flaw for me with the current system is that like you have this mix of systems that are like some of them are like core game systems, and then some of them are like <laughs> not. Yeah. And uh, you know, honestly, like this, it, it's not like the code I'm proposing here is the only way to solve some of these architectural sure. issues. Um, you know, I'm, I, I try very hard not to like <laughs> present myself. Like I have all the answers is the one true way, right? <laughs> Your way or the highway. Uh, the Lord of light <laughs> demands that something, yes. something. Exactly. Anyways. Uh, so I, I think that um, it wouldn't take a lot for it to get to a good spot because what I'm envisioning is a lot more simple in a lot of ways. It removes a lot of pieces from the board. It pushes the responsibility uh, of the game logic off into the components for the most part. And I think that it'll be a lot easier to work with um, as a consumer. Sweet. So, Well, I am consuming it. So I, uh, I appreciate that. I do think that at some point it won't be that bad um, to port it over because like the code that I'm working on, you know, it is bare minimum, right? Like there's there's not a lot of content there yet, so I mean it would break catastrophically. But I bet that piecing it back together, um, like a lot of the stuff would stay the same. And it honestly might be a little easier. Like you know, that'd be great. You might be like, oh well, I don't have to even do this weird check anymore. So I I can just take this function into like its core five lines, and now nice. it works. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, theoretically. Cool. We'll have to see how. Yeah, it works. that'll probably be our weekend weekends project for a while because uh, now it's Monday and we gotta ship we gotta ship this game, man. Gotta ship some games. That's right. Or ship a game. game. At least one would be good. <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah. Well, so uh, you know, we are working on uh, AWL two Soul Thief for sure in early access. So check it out if you haven't. And, uh, yeah, we're going to be releasing another update this Friday. We had a great update last Friday, added all kinds of cool yeah. stuff. Uh, Steam cloud support, bunch of new rooms, bunch of new puzzly type stuff, bunch of new monsters. So hopefully we'll be able to hit a bunch of cool stuff this week yeah, as well. Yeah, for sure. Check it out. All right, thanks for listening, and we will catch you next week. Chip it. Chip it.
you are like super robot-y 